Welcome to the Fit Affiliate Podcast, where we talk about behaviours and behaviour-based conversations as they apply to CrossFit affiliate owners and coaches. My name's Lisa Hetherington. I'm your co-host. Sitting alongside me is Chuck Bennington and Tony Ronke, the co-founders of Fit Affiliate. In today's episode, we are super excited to have welcomed Michael Winchester, the co-owner of CrossFit Jakahu, to come along and chat to us. The story of how they came up with the name of their affiliate uh, the logo and what that represents is a very, very cool story. But what was even more powerful was when we talked to Michael about his focus on coach development, developing his team and building his tribe, some really great insights there. So we hope you really enjoy today's episode. But before we get to it, if you're listening to this on any of your audio platforms and you enjoy the episodes, please throw us a like and a subscribe, write us a review, leave some comments for us. We love to read the comments. If you're watching us on YouTube, please jump on and subscribe and click on the little bell to the bottom corner. That way you'll be notified every time we throw new content up. We appreciate your support and thanks for coming on the journey with us. Without further ado, let's crack on to the episode with Michael. And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Affiliate Podcast. Today we're joined with a special guest of Mr. Michael Winchester. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? I'm good. It's funny, like, you know how, like, laughter and yawning is contagious? There is for sure, like, a contagion to a good throat clear before a podcast starts because Lisa got hers in and started recording. I was like, man, there's nothing that I want more right now. Warm up your my throat. Unique New York. Unique. Audrey. Audrey. This is Bush League. I have the, I have the. The beauty of uh, pressing the button, so I, I know how to time it. I'll let you know next time, Jeff. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can actually make that a part of the process. We'll, we'll document yeah. the work. There's five seconds out. Everybody does vocal yeah. exercises. I don't know. Kick. <laughs> last minute pee, Goggles. last minute yawn, last minute clear, clearing of uh, We're not that cool. We don't need. Well, or, not that cool. Michael's very cool. I'm just trying to keep up with you guys. <laughs> now you've done you've done a lot of really cool things i think like lisa maybe was going to kind of like intro a little better if you have a a starting point that you wanted to get rolling on we can but then we'll kind of go free form yeah i just thought um it's a good opportunity michael just give us a little bit of your background and then uh yeah we can uh roll through the conversation with uh with the guys sounds good yeah um so I guess as it pertains uh, to this podcast, uh, what might be important, uh, I found CrossFit in 2008. Um, I had just moved back from uh, a little stint living in, in Europe, in Madrid, and I moved back to Austin, uh, originally from Houston, Texas. And uh, uh, when I moved back to Austin, um, did a couple odd jobs, uh, finally found CrossFit, uh, have, you know, a, a similar, what I would imagine would be a similar kind of origin story from a lot of people. Um, you know, walked into a CrossFit gym, did Fran, got my ass handed to me, uh, <laughs> thought to myself, wow, that this is, this is something different and cool. I would love to trick other people into doing this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so kind of just drank the Kool-Aid in that first year. And then in 2009, got my L1 and started coaching. And then uh, fast forward to 2014, that's when Jessica and I started uh, CrossFit Yakarhu. And um, 
yeah, and the rest is kind of history from there. Uh, we've had the gym for, it'll be eight years this October. Um, had a lot of good times, had a lot of hard times, but here we are. What, does a, what makes a person live in Madrid for so long? Please tell us that story. Yeah, so uh, growing up in, in Houston, Texas, uh, I was a soccer player. That was my sport. And the majority of the, the guys that I was playing soccer with, as you might imagine, were Latino um from all over the place from the states from mexico central america south america and just at a young kind of early age it was intriguing to to it was it was interesting that i i could not communicate with them and i kind of just made it this little goal of mine it was a weird goal for a young kid to have maybe but i was like man i really want to be able to communicate with with all these guys in their language so started studying spanish in middle school continued through high school uh studied spanish four years in college. And then at the end of college, I was like, this is great. I'm so close, but there's like, I'm not over that hump of being able to read, write, speak, and understand fluently. So I was like, well, there's only one way in my mind that I'm going to reach that level. And it's, it's if I go and live in a country in a Spanish speaking country for some amount of time, didn't know how long that was going to be. Uh, I had two options. I could join the Peace Corps and uh, get sent somewhere. Uh, you don't get to choose. Uh, they, they send you where they think you're needed. Uh, you can kind of request a, a region of the world. Um, but the commitment was two and a half years. And I didn't know at the time if I could, um, if two and a half years was something I was going to want to commit to without knowing where I was going to be. Um, yeah. So the, the second option that I found uh, was a teaching job in in Spain. And you could uh, again, you could request a city, but um, you weren't really, you didn't really have a, a whole lot of say over where you were going to go. So I filled out that application, got selected to the program um, and ended up in Madrid, went over there, lived over there for two and a half, almost three years. And um, and yeah, and that that kind of did it for me that, that it got me fluent in Spanish yeah. um, and it kind of it tickled all my all my fancies and I got to do kind of what I wanted to do. I got to live abroad. Um, which is an experience I think everybody should have at some point. And, and then uh, at the end of that, it was kind of like the contract was up and I was like, all right, uh, time to move back to the States. Um, you know, I could have moved back to anywhere, but uh, I'm a Texas boy and my parents had just moved from Houston to Austin. So Austin seemed like the place to be. So that's where I ended up. I mean, I think that that story is cool. I, I obviously knew it a little bit, but I think it gives a good glimpse into who is Michael Winchester because that's a kind of next level of obsession sort of immersion, which I think really uh, gives people an insight as to like how the next part of your journey went and really what that looked like as you jumped off because you and Jess have really created no, something nothing short of um, unique with with Ikarhu. And so I think that in order for people to understand just how that happened, they have to really truly understand the two personalities behind the damn thing. Um, and that's <laughs> one of the reasons why we were like, we're dragging Michael onto the podcast. We'll pull Jess on here next. But um, naturally, yeah. you get a little bit less of the forward-facing publicity, but it's for no shortage of your energy and enthusiasm that drives this whole thing. So we wanted to, to share this story because that's kind of one of the things that we like to talk about here is the unconventional approach to conventional things. And y'all smashed it with that thing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. That that means a lot to us. Anytime we get that kind of uh, that kind of positive feedback, that's always really awesome. So thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's the same. I think any, you know, you guys have mentioned it before when we've spoken before, but CrossFit gym owners are maybe um, 
a different breed and it's not like that's not like patting ourselves on the back or anything that's just kind of a a realization of what it takes uh to own an affiliate or a, a small gym in general and to 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 kind of persevere and and, and make it make it what you want it to be uh over so many years well yeah. we've, we've done a lot of podcasts with affiliate owners and as crazy diverse of a group as it is one of the major commonalities is kind of that growth mindset and a, a forward-facing responsibility to curate their own journey yeah and there have been no shortage of people that just that i've met through the years or my own story you know the the common affiliate owner story that like there was some earlier deliberate piece of intended growth that they sought a life's journey out in mm -hmm. found it hugely rewarding and then have with fitness the ability to help replicate that with somebody else yeah you know, I think that this is interesting and maybe it's an assumption, but like I would imagine when you and Jess opened the gym and that's where we can kind of move to next, you didn't have this grand idea of like, we want this piece of our hero's journey to be that we own gyms. You're like, right. man, we want to help save and change lives and share this thing that has changed our life with other people. Maybe that's a guess yeah. or an assumption, but I, I figured that one's probably closer to the truth than you guys are like, we want to be known as gym owners. <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, you know, the thing that I guess the biggest irony and the thing that we're still kind of uh, working to overcome uh, with you guys and, and through Fitfiliate is that Jess and I never really wanted to be gym owners to begin with. <laughs> you know, like it was one of those things like we love coaching. Coaching is our passion. Coaching is our calling. And um, like, man, there's nothing else that really I would rather be doing than to be coaching people. I mean, that's kind of what what gets us out of bed in the morning. It's what inspires us. It's what keeps us, it's what keeps us going. The opening of 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 Carhu um, really came out of necessity, and it was something that we felt um, we we needed to do and had to do if we wanted to continue to enjoy um what our passion is which is is coaching people and so the best way for us to do that back in 2014 was to open up our own gym and yeah it was kind of like well we don't want to be gym owners but this is you know we think we can do it uh, better than than maybe some of the other people around us um so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take that that jump <laughs> and I mean, so I think it's again here, here we are eight, eight years later yeah. yeah i mean definitely I, when the gym came on the scene, you definitely came on the scene and made a big sp a splash. I, I remember really when and that whole thing, I was uniquely um, tied into the affiliate community in Austin for whatever reason. I'm not actually sure. I threw like Webb um, Smith. And so like, I think uh -huh. that's really kind of how it happened. And then, uh, so I was kind of abreast of the whole thing, but like when you guys popped in the scene, it, you didn't just like open affiliate, like you guys <laughs> threw yourselves at this thing, which I thought was very cool. So um, first question that I want to ask you is where the hell did the name come from? <laughs> that is, that is the, the classic question. That's the first question that almost everyone asks. I know. Um, Everybody's no, it's great. It's great. No, it's yeah, no, you have to. Uh, so the, I had been, uh, at the time I was working with, um, with the outlaw way who you're also familiar with. And so we were traveling around and we were doing all these seminars. And we went to a seminar in Finland, which was awesome. And so we were there for, I think, two weeks or just over two weeks. And during that, <clears throat> during that time, um, 
at some point I had made my way into like a grocery store and there was this, um, there was this logo and it said Carhu and it had this kind of uh, drawing of like a, what might be like a wood carving of a bear's head. And it just like was so awesome. And so I was like, man, that is such a cool logo. That is such a cool um, like word. Uh, so a little Google search and it turns out that Carhu means bear. So when we came back and we were starting to develop uh, the ideas and concepts around the gym, you know, what we wanted to name it, uh, you know, how many classes we were going to run, all, all those kinds of, uh, details. Um, the name came up. And so we, I was like, y'all, this is, I think this is it like CrossFit Carhu or Carhu CrossFit. I don't know which, which order, but it's like, that's what I, that's what we really kind of, uh, settled on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of our founders was also, um, uh, part Finnish. Uh, her her family has uh, a lot of Finnish heritage, and so um, so we kind of like we 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 honed in on that, and we said, yeah, this is kind of weird Finnish words and Finnish kind of uh, language, um, but it's different and it's kind of sticky. So let's go with it. So we we submitted the application for for Carhu for CrossFit Carhu uh, Carhu CrossFit, and HQ came back and said, nope, um, and they didn't give us a reason why, as they normally yeah. don't, but. Um, we did, we were aware that there's a, a Finnish apparel company, uh, that's called Carhu and they make running shoes and running apparel. It would be like an Adidas or a Nike, but you know, Finnish. And so I imagine that there were some copyright, um, issues there. So we went back to the drawing board and we said, well, we like the word Carhu, but what, we, you know, what's the closest thing? So we were looking like down Finnish words and their translation and Yakarhu with the two A's and the umlauts over the A's was, uh, was in there and it, it means polar bear. So it's close yeah. and it's like, okay, well, how are, how are people going to say this? Like, we can't, we don't even know how to pronounce it. How are other people going to pronounce <laughs> it? Um, but we, again, we just kind of like, we just, we, we went all in and we, that, you know, we, we submitted that name to, to CrossFit and they, they accepted the name. So that's, that's what it is. <laughs> so that's kind of where it comes from. So, you know, y'all just got yeah. lucky because right? like everybody was like, I, I admittedly, like when you guys came out with that, I was like. I never felt so stupid trying to yeah, Jack. <laughs> yeah. But like nobody could forget it, right? So it was like, so is it right. like Jackaroo? Jackaroo? Yeah. Is that how we say this? I don't really yeah. know. That gym down there, right? But like, and then yeah. I learned that it was polar bear after the fact. And I was like, well, that's weird for Austin. Um, just right. So the original car who that you saw on the package in the grocery store in Finland, what type of item was this package? It was, was, a, it, like, was a, it was a it was a tall boy uh, it was a six pack of tall boy beer yeah my guess was beer <laughs> I knew it wasn't gonna be tampons I figured it was like beer or cookies <laughs> yeah no no sure. that that's what it was and you know later on you know Jess and I kind of fleshed out uh, a lot more of the idea behind like what the what the polar bear symbolizes what it means cool. so why don't you, you know? yeah why don't you so that's kind of where the name is but why don't you talk us through a little bit of the symbology. Yeah, so the the symbology is it's uh, you know in a lot of Native American tribes, um, it, it's been said, and and they kind of believe that if you dream of a polar bear, if you have a polar bear appear in your dreams, it's a it's kind of like a an omen or a symbol of transformation. Um, a lot of Native American tribes also believe that the polar bear is what guides you from from this world uh, into the next world. So there's a lot of uh, you know transformation and um, and, uh, you know, moving from, from one place to another place, uh, involved in that. And so we thought that that fit pretty well with, with our beliefs and our ideas of, of taking people from where they are currently to where they, where they want to go in the future. 
Um, so, you know, transformation and, and moving from, from point A to point B, that's, that's really kind of how it, it started and yeah. what we kind of hold on to today. I always thought that part of the story was cool. Cause like, obviously people think they're like bear just because it's this large, aggressive masculine. It fits sort of the, but like for you guys, that is so very quintessentially Jess and Michael to have taken something that could be that and then shift the perspective to be like, yeah, I know that bear, but how about this version of the bear? dream bears. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that part's cool. So admittedly there's the power of a name i think is is you guys are kind of a master class in that which i think is very cool we talk about this a lot with a lot of affiliate owners is that like there's a lot that goes into a name and i'm sure you've been around the affiliate world long enough to know that like there's some interestingly named across <laughs> with affiliates that i'm not sure any thought went into that at all they were just like yeah tell yeah. me what you will give me for a name i'll take it um, nah, man yeah. they were yeah they were on that affiliation back and forth email chain and they were like seven replies deep and they're like i don't know man just fucking pick up google throw a couple words in i i'm past my point of fucks to give <laughs> yeah we were lucky we got it on on two so <laughs> the best part of that so when, as soon as you guys affiliated it wasn't very long and you made it to the games which i think is obviously a notable feat for for many affiliates for many reasons but the for me the the, the value in that was watching everybody stumble over your name on a <laughs> world stage which i thought that part was funny i was like this is hilarious because i'm not the only one who's trying to figure out to say this damn name. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was kind of cool. So tell us a little bit about that because I think people definitely know you guys for it, but you guys yeah. came out the gate swinging and then yes. found yourself there really quickly. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was kind of, a lot of things happened in our first year. Um, that was obviously one of the bigger ones. So, you know, we opened in October of 2014 and uh, we started with 66 members and we, in that, in, I think in the first 12 months, we went from 66 to maybe 150, 180, like our numbers started creeping closer to, to 200. Um, a short time after we opened, I mean, we barely, uh, I don't know if y'all ever saw the, the first gym, but it was a, a 12,000 square foot uh, industrial facility tucked away in like an industrial part of town, uh, no street signage. You had to like enter kind of like what looked like a, a boneyard of, um, you know, uh, uh, trash and, and some other like construction and abandoned cars. And then you had to like wind around a dirt, you know, rocky road, unfinished road to the, to the back of this place. And then kind of like when you turn this corner, it opened up to this, this huge gym and we had barely, you know, gotten the equipment in and gotten the turf laid and, and had the, the pull-up bars and the, the wall ball areas installed, uh, before we were presented with the opportunity to host, uh, the open workout that year, one of the open workouts, 15.2. Um, so obviously we're going to accept that, uh, offer. And so, yeah, so then I guess it would have been March, like the first or second week of March, um, 2015 CrossFit HQ came down. We shut down the gym for a week. They roll in with their production team and their equipment crew and, completely transformed our gym from, you know, just a CrossFit gym into, you know, an open announcement, uh, uh, an open announcement stage. So that was, that was obvious. That was another thing that kind of put us on the map in the first couple of months right there, you know, that they sold, I forget how many tickets they sold, but I think it was close to like 400, maybe 400 yeah, plus. You guys were we like, had, there was standing room only yeah. ask for the elbow, nut to butt. Yep. Yeah, they they brought in, you know, like stands, you know, bleachers, 
for people to sit. So they had they had made our turf, our center turf area into an arena. We had to we had to actually bring in uh, one of our one of my buddies that uh, still is my buddy, but at the time he was a member. He's not a member anymore, but he can't, had to come in and like cut out like blowtorch out some of the stuff that we just had installed so that they could bring in the cameras and have all the different angles that they wanted. And then afterwards we had to weld it back into place. I mean, it was a whole thing, but that was awesome. <laughs> um, like pausing on for just a second for people <laughs> to appreciate, like imagine five months into your affiliate owner journey, like not even half a year. HQ's like, so we need your gym for a week to make minor improvements in construction too. And by the way, we're going to host this event that'll have like almost 500 people. You guys got this, yeah. right? It was epic. It was, it was truly, you know, again, went from, uh, you know, a coach to an affiliate owner in the span of a couple of months. And then from an affiliate owner to an affiliate owner who's hosting 15.2, you know, arguably one of the more important, you know, the, the open announcements, especially at, at, during that time, were like, I mean, it was the thing you wanted to be at or watch. I mean, it, it was the open announcement. It's the very beginning of the deal. season. Very big yeah. deal. So it was, you know, humbling for us to be able to to be there so quickly. And then, yeah, it was like we had just gotten the gym put together and they were taking it apart. And then it was just like, holy shit, what have we gotten ourselves into? Um, <laughs> but it, it went really well. You know, we spent the next week cleaning up and putting stuff back in place. But that was awesome. And then um, that year we had, you know, we had we had our group of athletes. We had. Um, a lot of experience on that team. And then we also had some brand new athletes. We had uh, our, our boy, Ryan Hones, um, who had just showed up, you know, a couple weeks after we opened, he had driven down from Wisconsin in a, a this, this old, I'm surprised he, he made it, but it was this old, like 1990 blue two door, like Ford pickup truck or something. And it was just, the wheels were falling off and he walked in and he said, Hey, I want to compete with you guys. Um, uh, you know, how does that work? And I was like, well, let's start working out. And so he, he, he came in and I, you know, how many times as an affiliate owner, do you have someone walk in the doors or as a coach and somebody comes in and says, Hey, I want to make it to the games. Like it's, you know, it's a, it's a weekly occurrence. Uh, especially um, at that time in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I had this kid who was kind of skinny at the time and all of a sudden he started putting on muscle and he started snatching big weights and lifting heavy and doing well. So that was just one example of, of the kind of person that was kind of showing up around that time with the buzz that was going on. And then we went through the season, we went to regionals um, and we got fifth place in regionals that year by the skin of our teeth. Um, the last workout that year was this really awesome but confusing workout where it was a conga line of all six athletes. All six athletes are all working at the same time at different stations and you can't advance until the person in front of you has cleared their station. So, you know, we were we were right there on the bubble in the last workout of the weekend. We had taken some first places. Uh, we took first place in the, the handstand walk and in the snatch uh, snatch event. And then we'd taken some 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 really kind of hard hits on some other events uh, finishing, you know, like 15th, 16th. So we were right there on the bubble. And there was like Opex and Backcountry Black. And there were some like really awesome teams that were that we were competing against. And then that last workout, it came down to essentially, if you looked at the floor, there was 10 teams on the floor. All six athletes were working. So you had 60 athletes on the floor. And then you also had one judge per athlete. So you had 120 people on the competition floor. I remember it like it was yesterday. Mayhem, right? Not CrossFit mayhem, just mayhem. <laughs> so you, had, <laughs> you had 120 people on the floor. And it was going to come down to like a number of reps. We didn't know how much our, we did not do well in that workout. Admittedly, we got caught up in one of the stations and then, um, they, you know, the, the time 
you know, ended. It was a 20 minute time cap, I think. And we were all just kind of looking around like, what the hell just happened? And where are we? And, and how did that finish? Because you couldn't tell who was where and how many points. Every rep of every athlete counted as a point. So they had to go through and count every rep for every athlete. And it turns out that we beat the sixth place team by two reps, not like two places, two repetitions. And that's two repetitions spread across six athletes, right? So like it, it must have been a matter of like one second or two seconds. Yeah. What were we got the, those two reps. the six stations were? Uh, it was, uh, I don't remember all of them. I remember there was a row to begin and there was a strict handstand push up in there. And then there was, um, yeah, those are the only two that I remember. But it, I mean, it was, I think we, yeah, we got, we got hung up on the strict handstand push ups. Uh, it bottlenecked us. And yeah, we, I mean, we, again, we qualified by one or two points, but it came down to one or two reps was what it was so it was pretty cool so then we went to the games uh we did decently at the games we finished i think maybe 20 22nd i think 22nd that year um yeah so but more more so than the performance of the team you know the the name was kind of i think what stuck in people's heads and people to this day are like hey you know y'all have competed at the crossfit games like every year right since y'all have been open i was like no just just once we've had a great team every year but only competed (laughs) the, the one year in 2015. It's the power of a I think brand. A lot of it is like, yeah, the yeah. name and the logo. They're very, they're very sticky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these days everybody will talk about, you know, marketing as lead gen. I mean, you know, direct response marketing is absolutely one part of it. But in a world where everybody's caught up on that, what I think is very cool for you guys and to be a part of that, especially, is that you guys have really almost accidentally become like that master class in branding, right? And it really just came down to seeing that. That tall boy in Finland was like, I'm going to do it. But it was what you guys did after you made the determination. You're like, you know what? I think this is it. But you would, you didn't just like put the picture on the wall. We're like, yeah, like you, you did the work to figure out how to embody what that meant and what that was going to mean for the brand. And I think what, what I think is cool about Carhu is that, you know, knowing both of you guys very well now, obviously as clients as well, but just as people in general, you can tell that not only was car like the opening of car who but like that was kind of a coming of age sort of tale for both you and jess like watching the evolution of you two as coaches you know that early stage you know we're going to become an affiliate we're going to go to the games we're going to do these things and now the person the people that you guys are now and that's kind of the journey i want to get into is that like where you've learned where you've evolved to what that's looked like but i think that sort of that precursor that thing that was that was essentially foreshadowing was you didn't just try to name your gym after a bear. You tried to figure out what a bear could mean symbolically and you figured out how to tailor your approach to that. And that I think is is something that shouldn't be overlooked by a lot of the listeners is that there's a lot of power in a name. I'm not advocating you need to reach <laughs> rename your affiliate per se, but there's a lot of different nuances that are subtle, but that simple decision I think set up so much of your success. And I think that that's a really unique part of both you and Jess. But I think that that coming of age tale is a story that I think is for, worth digging into a little bit more because you had that early on success and then you've had relatively great success up till that point. But talk to us a little bit about like, so after the games or not so much, you know, post games, because I know you guys are still very competitive, but like, what have you guys learned over, over the time since like that 2015 games and talk to us a little bit about the evolution that is CrossFit car who now. Oh man, we could go a lot of different ways with that. Um, 
I'll just start talking and then you guys tell me <laughs> what you like. And then, so you yeah, just start talking, but if it ends up being mentally overwhelming, you can like, you can frame it as if you could talk to yourself now. Yeah. No, I think, I think every, well, I, I can't speak for any other affiliate owners besides, uh, besides us, but I, I would imagine that most affiliate owners, if not all affiliate owners learn a whole lot. Uh, and, and the learning lessons that, that we have, you know, could fill a book as I'm sure every, if, you know, every or at least most affiliate owners could write a book on. on they certainly experience a lot. We don't know if they learn yet. But yeah, yeah, that, there's a difference there <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, I think that, you know, to your point, uh, Tony, I think that, you know, we started with an idea and Jonathan Haynes, who works at HQ, he was one of our founders and, and he did a lot of uh, what he called storytelling. And so that's something that kind of started back at the beginning was not just like, hey, we're a gym, here's our name, here's our logo, but it was, what does the name mean? Like if people are gonna, if people are gonna wanna train with us and be around us, then you know, there's gotta be something more than just CrossFit. It's, there's gotta be some kind of story. And so that's really what the, the whole objective maybe for the first year or two was, was, was telling our story and getting, getting not just our story, but the story of our people in the gym, right? Everybody's got a story. So one of our goals in the first couple of years was to tell a story, a compelling story, a story that would make people want to be around us, want to train with us, want to do the things that we're doing. Um, and that we and we continue that to this day. I mean, where we where we started and where we are now is the result of a lot of deliberate thinking and a lot of very deliberate and difficult conversations held over you know the course of eight years. Um, I think that having conversations is the best, or maybe even in my mind, the only way to make like any kind of real progress. Obviously at some point you have to take action. You have to do, uh, you know, you have to do the thing. But I think that before that, I don't think, you know, a lot of people have enough conversations or go deep enough into their conversations. So, I mean, on a weekly basis, we're at the gym and, is if it's not Jess and, 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 and me having a conversation, it's uh, Jess and Taylor, or it's me and Steven, or it's me and Sarah, or it's Andy and Jess. It's we're always trying to communicate our, our thoughts and our feelings and what we think is you know going to be the best practice moving forward. So, um, you know, I guess going back a little bit, I think the evolution kind of started out as we wanted, we knew that we wanted to be really great coaches. And so we thought the best, the best way to do that would be to open up our own gym so that we could have the most amount of control over how we communicate, what we communicate, how we coach, et cetera. And then from there, you know, starting out as, Hey, we just want to be great coaches. Well, now we want to have a great affiliate. We want to be known. And so those are kind of like, I wouldn't say selfish, but they're very like, um, car centric type goals, right? Now where we are today, it's, you know, it's, it's evolved over time. We've had a lot of, of ups and downs. We've had some really great successes. We've had some really trying rough times when, you know, we were probably a week away from, from shutting the doors of Carhu, you know, um, uh, down there in year four and five when, you know, shit gets really hard. Um, and you know, where we are now today is yes, we want to be great coaches still. And yes, we want to have a great affiliate, uh, that is, you know, known for excellence. But now, and this is, you know, through conversations with y'all, y'all know this, but uh, we want to really change the way that coaching is viewed and especially CrossFit coaching is viewed, right? Um, we want to create 
uh, a place, a business, a gym that is long-term sustainable and that can provide not just jobs, but careers for our coaches. So that, you know, starting out from just wanting to be a coach or just wanting to be a great coach to now wanting to be able to, to change people's views of, of coaching and what that, what that profession is in the world, right? You know, you have your doctors and lawyers and you have um, your teachers and you have all these different professions out there and they have a certain kind of place in people's uh, mind. And coaching seems to always end up as just one of those things towards the bottom where people think that coaches have the best job in the world because we get to wear comfy clothes and t-shirts and we get to hang out in the gym all day and we get wrong, to do you know. this thing crossfit it's it's the it's the yeah. coolest thing you guys are living the dream and while that is the case yes we are living the dream it, it also doesn't come without a lot of, of hard times and sacrifice so we want to change that perception of what it means to be a crossfit coach and we want our coaches to know that they can have careers as well that that offer 401ks and that pay uh living wages uh you know of places they can grow and, and work towards saving up for the future for themselves and their families so i'd i'd be interested to have you expand a little further on that because i know it's like it's a realm that you're super passionate <clears throat> about and you know i'd like to hear why you think that it is that relative to the disproportionate value that coaches provide they do sit universally fairly low as a piece of social hierarchy or social status. And I've got my own thoughts on it because that's always blown my mind. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I know that that's a thing you really care about. And so I'd be interested to just get more of your thoughts as a fellow, like longer term coach in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's a, it's a complex, uh, it's a complex situation, but I think that really when it comes down to it, I think that there's a couple different issues. I think that um, there's a, yeah. Um, I think number one, that there's a, there's um, people see different professions and they know what goes into it because they've been around for so long. So again, back to like being a teacher, you know, that you have to, you have to get a, a degree in teaching, right? Most places you have to get some kind of special uh, education, some kind of special schooling. Uh, same goes for for most jobs. If you want to be, you know, a mason or a, a, a welder or uh, again a doctor, or a lawyer, you have to you have to get some kind of higher level of training before you're allowed to do those things. Whether that's a degree or whether it's um, you know a special school, a trade school, or or what have you. So I think people kind of they they immediately they see those jobs and then they say, oh well, I know that if they're doing this job, then they must have some high level of understanding of that job, and they must have gone through a mentorship and apprenticeship training, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think that people see that with coaches. I think uh, what they see is, oh, what is it? What does it take to, to get your L1? Oh, well, it takes one weekend and a thousand dollars, you know, sitting through a two day course. Oh, well, that's not that hard. I could do that. I mean, anybody could do that, you know? And so they, they see that, but they don't see that. Yeah. That's like, that. I wouldn't even call it like the jumping off point. Like that's just, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a no brainer. And then to, but to be a really, really great coach, it takes a lot of extra work. And if you're really doing it right, then you're, you're reading books and you're learning from other coaches and you're taking time and you're spending money to travel to seminars and you're going and you're, you're studying under people. And then there's the experience factor. You know, I don't think a, a coach can really be great um, inside of five years and, and five years is, is kind of a, a short amount of time. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I've been coaching since 2008 and I still consider myself uh, a baby coach compared to other coaches 
that I see in other other realms, you know, NFL coaches that have been in the game for as longer than I've been alive. You know, they've been uh, honing their craft and perfecting their craft over 40 years as, a, as opposed to my, you know, 13 or whatever it is. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think that there's just a general lack of understanding of what it takes to be a great coach um, in terms of education and experience. And then I also... I think that for our members and for members that go to gyms and CrossFit gyms uh, in particular, it's their recess. It's their, it's the most fun part of their day. They've been stuck in the office and they've been stuck at home with, with kids and dogs and chores and responsibilities. And they've been at the office where they have to do their, their job that they may love or they may hate. And so then they get to go to the gym and when they show up to the gym, it's like, they leave all their emotional baggage at the door. They walk in, they get to see their friends and their, their you know, training partners. And it's like coaches here and coaches giving you a high five. And, uh, and then they get to exercise. And so they're, they're sweating and they're having fun. They're learning. They are re- releasing endorphins. And then at the end they get to, you know, three, two, one car who, and they get a break and then they get to bullshit, you know, next to the fan uh, with all their buddies and they get to pet the dogs that we have in the gym. And so it's like, it's, it's adult recess. And so it's the most fun part of their day. And so then they think that because it's the most fun part of their day, that we must just be having this experience that they're having for an hour. We have this perpetual experience (laughs) all day recess (laughs) from, from, from the 5 30 AM class all the way through, you know, the 7 30 PM class. It's just, nonstop fun and, and entertainment for us. And sometimes it is, but again, I think that that's just a general, uh, the general perception is that if they're having fun and enjoying themselves, then obviously it's a breeze and easy for us as well, you know? Sure. So to take this in a more useful direction, I think for, you know, a lot of the listeners, that is not the perception that your clients have of the coaches in Carhu. They look at them as truly high value service providers that make a substantial return on investment, like in Mm -hmm. improving their lives. And so if we all agree that, you know, regardless of somebody having a CrossFit gym or just a gym in general, the world would be better off if their clients were valued higher Mm -hmm. or if their coaches were valued higher by their clients. And so I'd, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on kind of how you guys have helped get people over that bridge where they're like, Oh, it's just coach lives at recess. It's basically like a glorified PE teacher, except way more fun because there's rap music and swear words. But like, really like this is somebody that has a relationship with me. That's potentially just as important or more important than my doctor, my lawyer, my accountant. Like this is somebody who's invested in me having quantity and quality of life. Yeah. Um, Again, it's, it's, it's happened over a very long time. Um, it, it takes a long time to, to develop that and to, to have your, your members and your, your people understand that. And the way that that happens is, um, you have to have high quality coaches, uh, I, I guess as a starting off point. And I don't just mean coaches that know how to teach an air squat or how to teach a snatch or how to teach a, a muscle up. I, I mean, coaches that have both the knowledge, but also the ability to deliver that knowledge. And beyond that, they are really great people at heart and they know how to communicate well. They're good communicators um, and they, they truly give a shit. They truly care about people and people can tell when you give a shit and when, you, when you're maybe not giving as much of a shit, right? People can, can read that and can sense it really quickly. So one of the things that you know we have at Carhu is we have six coaches currently, including Jess and myself, we have six coaches on staff and each coach has been in this 
field in, in, you know, has been coaching for, uh, I believe 10 years or more. Each coach has at least a decade of experience of coaching underneath their belts. And so I think that that is one thing that, uh, separates us from other gyms is that you'll, you'll go to a gym and they'll, you'll have, uh, you know, like a, a 22 year old postgraduate, uh, that, you know, does a trade for membership, you know, they'll coach a class or two a week for a trader for membership. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It works for some gyms and that's, that's what they, they, they choose to do. But the, the only problem that I see there is that uh, number one, the experience is uh, diminished. Uh, I know this through personal experience and also through, you know, talking with our, our members when they go to other gyms and they, they've had that same experience. But there's also a, a high rate of turnover with those coaches because it's usually a filler or something to occupy their time before they go on to their next thing. And so one thing that we have is we have coaches that are dedicated professional full-time coaches. This is the only thing they do. They don't have another job. Um, this is their job. This is their career. And so I think that, that if you can hold on to a group of coaches for a long enough amount of time, and if all of your coaches are experienced, again, in that 10-year realm, 10-year uh, range, then it starts to mean something and it starts to look a little bit different to the people that, again, we've had members. I, I, I have some members that I've been coaching for almost my entire coaching career for, for 10 plus years. And so when you have a member that's been with you for 10 years and you have coaches that have been with you for five, six, seven years, it starts to change the feeling and the vibe in the gym from, oh, this coach comes and goes, or right. man, they've had five coaches leave and now they've hired five new coaches and I don't know this person. I don't have a, a relationship with them. Um, so that's one way that that affiliates can uh, can start to shift that perception is um, of, of what the value of their coaches are is by holding on to, to good talent. Now, how do you do that? That's really hard, too. Well, what we've discovered and what we're moving uh, through right now is that we're having to, uh, you know, pay our coaches uh, more money uh, to keep them around. And that's something that we believe strongly in. And that's something that we've made every uh, every effort to do. But that's the only that's the only way that it happens. Right. And so um, if you want the best coaches, then you need to pay the best coaches what they're worth. And I think that's another thing that once our members find that out, it lends a little bit more credibility to our mission is that we're willing to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. We're willing to do the, the things and take the steps necessary to retain these high quality coaches that provide you this value every day. And so that's that's kind of the mission that we're in right now. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that it was your first problem that you bring up is essentially it kind of boils down to like lack of clarity as to what a coach is. Right. Like, and I think mm -hmm. this is probably one of the, if, if you've definitely listened to the podcast, you know that I believe that this is probably the biggest problem that faces coaches is that the term is just thrown around. It's a catch all, right? Like coaches, all different things. And so like the drawback to like your analogy of like jobs or trades, like a welder, and a coach are not the same thing because like a coach at this point gets thrown around more like a mechanical contractor, right? Like where they can do all mm -hmm. sorts of different things. They could with a hammer, they can do a saw, they can weld if they need to, et cetera. And He's so, guy. yeah, right. <laughs> so I think that that is the first big problem that plagues most people is just the, the sheer ubiquity in which the term is thrown around and people are just like, mm -hmm. the coach is the coach is the coach. And I think what Carhu has done a really good job of, and it's something that we obviously try to get people to understand is that you Caro has done a really good job of conceptualizing the journey of a coach, right? In that, like, it's only time, it's only investment, and it's only experience that's going to move you from A to Z, essentially. And it's not about entitlement in that I've taken 
I've done this seminar, I've done these things. And so therefore I should be respected. Like you have to kind of earn that keep. But I think what is unique about that and what you guys have done is that you have respected that it is a journey and you've treated every coach as a participant on that journey, as opposed to, and I think I see a lot in a lot of other affiliates is that they tend to view most coaches as finite or in completion, right? Like you've come in, you've completed whatever it is. Um, you're willing to take a class from me, particularly the morning class. So I don't have to get up like perfect. Like, well, I don't care if the journey moves forward. What I know to be unique about and true about Carhu is that you guys are not interested where anybody's at now. You're interested in where you can get them to. And I think that is the central cool part about what makes you guys unique is that you are a part of that journey. Maybe it goes all the way back to conceptualizing that polar bear thing. But like if a coach walks in the door, you're not just a coach. You guys, you and Jess do a really good job of visualizing and believing in the journey of that coach and then truly investing in it, right? Like you just said, we're willing to put in the money. We're willing to pay them because we want to keep them. And really what you mean is that like you want to be a part of their journey. Right. And that's how you know that you guys are coaches, because all coaching is, is essentially a transfer of belief. It's your job to believe in another person more than they believe in themselves. And so I've watched you guys, you and Jess personally, you know, essentially believe in your coaches more than they believe in themselves and been a part of their journey. And I think that back to that original clarity sort of conflict where people just don't know what they are. You guys do a really good job of not only starting them on their journey, helping them understand where they're at in their journey, but then also letting them believe in you as owners and that like Jess and Michael will get me to the next step of my journey, the next step. And I think that that's really the cool part of what's happened with Carhu. And I think like, aside from the fitness and the workouts and the game scores and those things, like what it means to wear that bear shirt for you guys. And obviously I'm biased because I've been a big part of this with our work together, but like what it means to be a big part of that is that like, it just means to be on the journey, right? And like, that is a very cool thing to see in, and I watch your decision-making, you know, rubric as it applies to all things. And like, your guys are always thinking about where somebody's headed as opposed to where anybody's at now. Yeah, absolutely. Coaches. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that, that's pretty much it. I mean, you nailed it. I, I think there's one thing that I do. Um, there's one thing that I do when I write. Uh, so we, we send out, you know, a lot of uh, communications with our, our, uh, our gym members, um, newsletters, et cetera. And one thing that I always do when I write the word coach is I capitalize the C at the beginning. Um, because to, in, you know, in my opinion, a coach is one of the highest callings or one of like the most, um, sacred professions that there is, because what is a coach, but a teacher at the end of the day. And some of the most important and impactful people in my life growing up were coaches. Um, and there's all kinds of coaches to your point about the ubiquity of the word, you know, there's football coaches, soccer coaches, track and field coaches, there's life coaches, there's all kinds of coaches out there. Um, but when I talk about, you know, uh, a big C coach, it's not someone that's delivering a workout on a whiteboard or writing a workout and then guiding people through, like you said, uh, Chuck, like a glorified PE teacher, a coach is someone that is, is caring for the person holistically. Right. Um, if you've ever been a CrossFit coach, you know that it's not just workouts and fitness. It's people's personal lives. It is um, therapy. It is, you know, a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen to someone. It is uh, a lot of times life advice, right? It's not just about um, how to get someone their first trick pull up. It is about, you know, they want to they want to change their life around. You know, they want to lose 50 pounds because they're severely overweight. 
um, be pre-diabetic or diabetic and they they're in an, in an, in an emergency situation, um, you know, they have two options. They can go and they can start, uh, slamming a bunch of, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals, um, and, and do that for the rest of their life, or they can come into our gym, um, get off the medicine, lose the weight, make some friends in the process, feel good about themselves. Um, so there's this, there's this whole, there's this whole kind of like suite or package of things that coaches, uh, especially great coaches deliver to their members that, you know, aren't on the business card, so to speak. For sure. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. I mean, we call it surgical compassion. It's like kind of the culmination of all those things, right? Cause like it's coaching is caring, but caring gets to be, you know, in some regards, it can be also a handicap through sympathy or empathy where like, mm -hmm. that's not what coaching is. It's coaching is that thing where you're like, if you need my help and you can convince me that you do need my help. And that's really about the, the first part of that relationship building is that if you can convince me that you need my help, I'm going to help and I'm going to help until the job is done. Right. And, and you might not like the help all the time, but I promise you, I'm going to be here until this journey is over or until you tell me to fuck off. Right. Like, and so <laughs> right. that is one of those parts that I think is, is so absent because I do think words like sympathy and empathy get in the way. And I do think that words like care become a big catch all too, but like, Mm -hmm. You guys smash that. And I, I know that like you have it. What I was another thing that I think is worth mentioning is that you very much believe in a smaller community, right? Like mm -hmm. you guys have no interest in being, you were big once you, you mm -hmm. now know that like, this is our sweet spot because this is the level that of which that we can be surgically compassionate. If we get beyond this, our ability to care, so to speak, is going to be effectively mitigated. And that is it. That, that is one thing that you and Jess, when you came in, you know, for with us as clients, you're like, we are unflinching. We are unwilling to waver from this. This is the level of which we need to be at to care. And we're like, all right, let's do it. Let's figure out what has to get done to make that happen. And I think that that's a cool part of the of, of the brand too, is that you guys are just you're not willing to sell out on the care part. That's for sure. Yeah. No, and it, a lot of it comes down to you know before becoming affiliate owners, I think the, one of the reasons that we care so much about our coaches today and what quality of life they have and what their potential is in the future is because Jess and I were coaches together for five years before we opened up Carhu. And so we have that experience of being on the, on their side of it, on the other side, right? Um, we have that experience of, um, you know, uh, being just a coach, not an owner, um, seeing what we liked, you know, the whole reason why we opened up Carhu was for a particular set of reasons that we didn't we didn't agree with, uh, you know how 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 the coaches were uh, were managed and handled. So we knew that we could do that better. And now in the first you know in the first seven years of of Carhu, uh, we were kind of co coaches with everybody. And now I think uh, you know talking about coach the arc you know the the arc of time of of our coaching careers, we're in this stage now where we are trying to um, provide the things for our coaches that we could never, uh, that were never provided to us before, right? Um, so we have that experience and then we know what that's like and we want better for our coaches, right? Um, it'd be like, you know, uh, somebody grows up in, in, uh, in not, maybe not the best of circumstances and then they have their kids and they want better for their kids. So they try to do everything in their power to kind of reverse or uh, oppose what they, what they experienced uh, growing up. So again, that's, that's kind of our mission right now is, you know, I don't, I don't want to ever say that I will not coach because again, I love coaching. I, I see myself coaching, uh, for the rest of my life, but I think that there's things that Jess and I can do now with our, our experience, 
such as provide long-term careers for our coaches and provide a gym that is something that is going to last for 20, 20 years and, and not just, you know, eight or 10. Yeah. And coaching never stops. The levels just move up, right? It'd be, it'd be really cool if like, for example, car who I don't know, just came up with like this car who coaching development program that you could just bring in all sorts of, that'd be strange. Um, what, a, what a world that would be. Um, <laughs> No, I think that there's so uh, – I think it would be cool for anybody Actually, to go Actually, on that, can I pause for one second? Because I'm super fucking curious. Um, I am sure that through the years, because of what you guys are known for in the competitive realm, that as the owner of Carhu, you've had people reach out about, like, competitive classes or competitive program. You're like, how do I do fucking X, Y, and Z in the gym? And it's probably not really focused on a lot of deep Y-related things, but a lot of, like, what's. Mm-hmm. How often do people reach out to you to ask about developing coaches and growing and retaining a long-term staff? It's never happened. Interesting. <laughs> it's never happened. Interesting. That's never come up before, but like, fuck, man, the, the secrets of life are hidden in the cliches and like, it is all right there in plain sight. Um, well, and you know, I mean, so you know, one reason for that, and this is, you know, Jess and I have our strong suits and we have the places that we need to work on. And so our, our strong suits are the things that you guys have been talking about, you know, our, uh, our, our, our vision, our desire to remain small and compact and high quality, um, you know, quality before quantity and all that. Uh, the, 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 the stuff that we need to work on and the thing that people are our best friends and also just complete and total strangers have uh, criticized us for or offered us feedback is that we are terrible salespeople. We do <laughs> not know how to sell ourselves or promote ourselves. And in fact, it's not that we we're not good at it, but we're not good at it because it's not something that like sparks anything in us. So we just don't do it right. Like um, self promotion is just not something we're good at. So you know, people aren't going to come to us because there's other shinier, flashier people out there on Instagram that uh, will also take their money, but maybe not have the same kind of uh, level of experience. So, and you guys know that with with your own business, there's there's a lot of uh, weird stuff out there, a lot of charlatans. But uh, you know, then there's actual you know good people with with solid companies like yourselves that you know know how to do it right. So. Yeah, I mean, it is weird, but <laughs> it's not, uh, you know, it's something we can explain. <laughs> well, I definitely wouldn't consider you guys bad at sales. I would definitely actually consider you the opposite of that. I would also consider you to be unflinching in your level of commitment. And I think that a lot of people view sales as manipulation as opposed mm-hmm. to persuasion. And you guys are terribly effective at persuasion and you're terrible at manipulation. Yeah. So. And you're just not willing to engage in that. You don't need to be engaged in that psychological subterfuge of like discounted rates and changing this and hacking this apart and, and offering them whatever. You're just like, it is what it is that it is, but I can assure you once you come in, you ain't leaving. Right. And like, so it's up to you to make that decision. And you, I, I know your numbers. So I know you guys crush that. So I definitely would not call you guys bad at that. You just yeah. are bad at the sleazy part of it, but you're good at the good part of it. Sales never feels like sales when it's done right. Yeah. I'll take that. Years storytelling. Uh, yeah. Great well, I mean, there's a whole lot more that I want to dig out of this, but we've been dragging you through this for an hour. And I think that I speak for both of us that I'm, we're probably going to definitely pull you back on here. Maybe we'll pull you both back on here tandem because that would be really fun. 
than I Jess think we do an episode with Jess and then an episode with both of yeah, them. For sure. Um, yeah, Jess is always fun on podcast. <laughs> there's some there's some there's some stories that I, I know about personally that I want to ask, but I think it's better if I ask them when you're both there because I think that they're funnier. Um, but maybe it would be better to ask them individually. So um that's the only questions that I have for you. I think that really the key takeaway for this one is just in, in what you guys have been able to create essentially and an understanding that everybody's on a journey, whatever that looks like, you guys have conceptualized that better than any affiliate that, you know, we've come in contact with in a very long time. A lot of people do a really good job of it. But what I think is cool about Caro is that you guys set out to do that and you were successful at doing that. I mean, you're still learning, you're still kind of coming of age, like we talked about, but like, mm -hmm. I think it was cool that you set out to be like, we want to just, we cared about the journey. Let's get people to start their journey and take that journey. And we want to be a part of that journey. And I think that that's the cool thing is that you guys have just been a part of that. Um, and I think this speaks a lot to who you both are as owners and, and the founders, as well as like the coach you've had in there, but it's also people you attract in the gym. And so I think your story is worth following for anybody that's listening to this. And hopefully if they don't already know how to say your name, they now know how to say the name. Um, that's probably the big reason we brought you on here. So that there was some closure as to how the hell you pronounce it, but yeah, um, if, 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 if you take probably. away anything from this conversation, it, it should be how to pronounce the name, <laughs> not the journey, not the coach, none of that stuff. No, it's none this, of that. This, this <laughs> is how you say ah. And then yeah. everybody's like, ah, I'm just going to say car who, yeah. Um, much easier, so much more. So anybody wants more information from you guys, how do they follow you? I mean, Jess, you, what, where do they get information? How can they get in contact with car who or follow you guys? Yeah. So you can visit, uh, you can go to our website, uh, www.crossfityakarhu.com or www.carhustrength.com. Um, you can, uh, check out my Instagram, which has, uh, significantly less followers than Jessica's Instagram, but, uh, <laughs> You, uh, mine is at Coach Winchester altogether, and then uh, Jessica is at Estrada Flies. They already know um, that one. Yeah, they yeah. know that one. I didn't have to say that. But, uh, those are probably the best ways to 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 see what we're up to and to maybe reach out and and uh, come visit if you're in town or join if if you're if you live here. For sure. Well, thank you, dude. Awesome. Really appreciate getting the time with you. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Good uh, good conversation, and thanks for that. And we will definitely see you back again, mate. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend, for listening to the Fitfiliate podcast. If you would be interested in hopping on a free call with us to just kind of chat about what you think your problems are and what you think the gap is between where you're at and where you want to go, we can see if maybe we can help you along that journey, figure out if we're all a good fit to do some sweet things together. So click the link, set up a consult. Let's help you identify some problems that we can mutually solve.